Hawks Live. Presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Welcome to Hawks Live. We are here at the dining district at Bellevue Collection. I'm Michael Bumpus with... We got B. Walt here today. Brian Walsh is here filling in for Paul Morey. Man, it's the first one of the year. We got a good crowd. How you guys doing today? Yes. We are ready to go. We are excited. It is week one. We waited a long time for this moment, B. Walt. I feel like last year the Seahawks exceeded our expectations. They got to the playoffs. Of course, we lost to those guys who were gold and red. Don't want to harp on them right now. It's all about us. The difference between this year and last year was that last year we're trying to figure out what this team is going to be. Who's going to be the quarterback? How are these rookie tackles going to look? Who's going to run the football? Can they get the ball to DK and lock it? And what's this defense going to look like? I think we still have a few of the same questions, but offensively, I feel like we're good to go, B. I agree. There's a, you know, last year you're going through all that, the question marks that you talk about. But now this year, the bonus is you're still young. You're, you still have the youth, but you have the youth with experience right. after last year. And then also youth with with success because last year was very successful they they out outperformed all expectations from everybody so you're going into this year thinking okay okay what, what are these guys going to do they, they had that taste they had that taste of winning and that taste of winning is something as you know right you, you get that taste you want more and, and it just keeps building so uh you, you know there's not as many question marks this year gino's the guy gino's the man uh and and we're going to follow gino uh, till the end there right and uh and that's so much different. Just having that quarterback battle, I think, is such a, right. a, a tough thing for, for a team to go through. And so not having that and having, you know, other battles take place and having your guy, I think, is just is so big for a team. Yeah, that's great. I mean, because we're looking at the QB situation, we're saying, is it Drew Locke? Is it Geno? And I kid you not, it was 50-50 to the people I spoke to. They're like, Geno, he's 30-something years old. He hasn't had a start in seven, eight years. We need to go with Drew Locke. He's 20-something years old. He's been there before. But I think at the end of the day, there's something that we've learned when it comes to Pete Carroll and Schneider is that, they might know what they're doing a little bit when it comes to putting the team together. So they put this team together. We saw a lot of these rookies play last year and contribute, right? You got Tariq Woolen, Pro Bowler. You got Kobe Bryant, four forced fumbles. You got Boye Mafe getting to the mix. You start two tackles. For the first time, they had two rookies tackles starting for the first time since, like, the late 70s, early 80s. So it might be unconventional. It might not be what we're used to. But I think after a few years, people should start believing in the approach that John Schneider and Pete Carroll have. But let's focus on this year and what we're going to expect. B, I look at this draft class the same way I looked at last year's draft class. There's potential. We're going to see some starters. We're going to see some backups. Zach Charbonnet, who we'll talk to later. You guys get to holler at Zach Charbonnet a little bit. He's going to get some time. And um, we got some guys in the secondary. Witherspoon is at practice this week. Seems like he's getting better. When you look at this draft class, what are your thoughts? Who do you think is going to stand out? Well, there, there's, well, there's a lot of guys that will stand out eventually, especially. Because the thing about this draft class I really like is not all the pressure is on them, right? You know, like last year, I thought they relied on the draft class quite a bit. Right. But this year, you know, you're expecting guys to come in and, and definitely perform and stuff. But they don't necessarily have to. So they get to develop these guys a little bit the way that they want to. Uh, you know, a guy like Witherspoon, how often do you see a fifth overall pick come in and you know, maybe he's not going to start right away. You know, they're going to develop him and work him in. He's going to be a starter. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> of course. But 
you know, he gets to kind of get a feel. You know, obviously he was nicked up a little in, the, in this preseason. And uh, so he'll come in and, and, and get to kind of feel the game out behind behind guys initially and then work his way into that role. And there's a lot of guys like that. I think uh, the center, Alu Alu Timmy, right? He's a guy I think will have big expectations coming in in years to come. I think he will be a franchise center, but not necessarily right this second. They don't need him. So they're going to be able to develop guys. Um, you know, JSN, he's the guy I think who has the most pressure on him because he's coming in <laughs> and he's going to be the guy that's going to be, uh, you know, called upon right away, third wide out, maybe even sometimes he'll be the second guy coming in. So he'll, he'll get a lot of action. Yeah, if there's, um, if there's any position over the past few years where I feel like these guys come into the league ready to go, it has to be the wideouts. Yeah. The wideouts are ready to go. If you guys don't know, like, the culture of the wideout has changed a bit. Even when DK was drafted, guys are saying, look, you need three or four years before they're ready to go. If you have a kid who's in high school or maybe he's in college and you see just the things they do off the field, they're in an accelerated program. My kid is in running start program, right? If you have a kid who's in middle school or high school, the running start program, that's what these receivers are in. They're in a running start program because of all the resources that they have. So I look at JSN and I go, look, he's in that program, but he doesn't have to be a star right now. Lockett gets 100 targets a year. DK gets 100 targets a year. Man, my man JSN comes in, gets his little 50, 60 targets, 30, 40 receptions for five, 600 yards. I think we take that. So for him to enter this offense, there's less pressure off of him. But what do you expect out of Jason? Well, we, we've talked about this for the last few years. Like, right. Man, who's going to be the number three receiver on this team? We've never had a, a, a set number three guy, and we finally have it. So what we're going to expect of JSN is, one, keep developing, keep learning, keep watching DK, keep watching Lockett. How do they go about their business every day? How do they, you know, as far as routes, what, how do they watch film? How do they prep for games, right? He's going to be learning, but he's also going to be thrown into the fire a lot. He's going to be a big third down guy. They want, they want to get the ball in his hands. He's got great hands. He, you expect him to come down with everything. You remember uh, you know, Pete mentioned early in, uh, in, pre, in the preseason, he did a press conference, and he said, he said uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba was 17 for 17 Crazy. for uh, p uh, pass targets to catches on pra in practice. And then he went into the preseason game and caught like three for three. So he was 20 for 20 and, or something. And then the first one he missed was he almost snagged a one-hander over the middle. All so, right, so now I, I went to Wazoo. My man went to Cornell. If my math is correct, that's 100%. That is 100%. Right, 20 to 20. It's 100%. Cornell over here. You got Cornell that over here. That is good stuff. Wazoo <laughs> taught you well. <laughs> Look, Jason, we're looking for him to have a big year. Um, and the fact that we have him available after that injury that he had in his surgery is a blessing, right? It could have been easily a four to six week type of injury, but no, he's ready to go. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, we feel like is going to get some run too. You got Ken Walker coming back, a thousand yard rusher, show that he can handle all the carries in this league. But there's nothing like having a backup running back. Because every now and then, if you guys see a, a, a football player running to the, uh, to the sideline, tapping his helmet, I'm gas, coach, I need one. So every now and then, he's going to do this. You're going to see Zach Charbonnet run out there. And the feeling, the feeling of having a running back who you, who you know is capable of doing the same things that Ken Walker is doing puts an offensive coordinator at ease. Yeah, exactly. And then you have the vet and DJ Dallas as well to come in. So right. you have, you have a, a very deep uh, running back room. But when I say deep, they're also young. You know, they're, they're just youthful and, and, 
and ready to roll. So, you know, I'm excited to see Ken Walker get back out there because we know what he can do. You've got to give him the ball, give him the rock over and over again, and let him get in the flow of things, and he could break one at any time. Uh, Zach Charbonnet is, I mean, what a pick that was, I thought. I mean, I, I loved it. You got your number two guy to come in there, and we saw him all preseason just, just I mean, running over guys and, and running hard, and that's exactly what they got him for. And then, obviously, DJ Dallas is, is no, uh, I don't know how to put it, I mean, he, he can get the job done no matter what without those guys. You could have DJ step in and, you know, DJ, you'll see him in the return game quite a bit and, uh, and, and take over on third downs, pass pro, everything. You got everything you need in those three guys. So we got a guy who's back in the right uniform. He flipped his number last year. He was wearing a different color blue. He was wearing yellow. Y'all know who I'm talking about. We got 54. Bobby Wagner is back, and I'm excited. I know the Seahawks are excited. When you get a veteran back like that, of course he's not the guy from year five. Uh, we move a little different. You know, I'm fighting 40 right now. My kids want me to go out and do activities. I go, look, that, daddy's getting up there. I can't move the same way. So Bobby Wagner's been in this league a long time. He is the greatest linebacker this organization has ever seen. When you get a guy back like B-Wags, what do you get? <laughs> Well, B. Weggs was, was a teammate of mine. And even back in 2000, and wow, we're going to age myself here, 2013, 2014, and 2012, you saw what Bobby was special. He was special back then, and the fact that he is still doing it. I think uh, actually him and, and Russ are the only two off the Super Bowl team still playing. Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to go through my head here. I yeah. think you're right. That was it. And KJ? KJ just retired, yep. so that's it. So it's, it's Bobby and Russ are the only ones left, and the fact that Bobby is still here, came back, and he's teaching all these guys through all the experience he's had. He's, he's coming in, and, and when, you, when you talk to Bobby and you, you see what he brings as the, the, the head guy in the middle of the defense, um, you know, with the green dot on his helmet, the things he sees and, and how he sees plays develop and how he, certain gaps to fill and reading, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, he can talk you off, of any, I mean, he can talk, out-talk you any football <laughs> X's and O's because he just knows what it's doing. And he's bringing that to these young guys because I think this, these linebackers, these outside linebackers and linebackers are a talented crew, right? They're, they're, I think they're one of the most talented crews, uh, um, positions on the team. And bringing Bobby in there to come in and teach him what he knows, bringing him back, I think, is a huge thing for this team. Pete Carroll said himself, he goes, man, Bobby's the man. I mean, he needs no introduction. He's one of those guys that I would imagine when he walks into the locker room, you just feel him. You got to see him. You feel 54 walking through there, and he's a good person overall. So that's always good, man. Um, but let's focus on the quarterback for a second. Last year, Gino was a pro bowler. Now, it took him a while, but he got there. Over 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, the only quarterback in the NFC to throw for over 30 touchdowns. He really took care of the football towards the end of the season. I think they asked him to do a little bit more. Therefore, he turned the football over just a little bit. But um, you got a guy like Geno, and being a receiver, we depend on our quarterbacks to get us the football. It all starts with the big boys up front. Never forget about the offensive linemen. But when you are entering a season and you have a quarterback who's proven, who's been there, who's done that, a lot of people want to see him do it this year. Of course, we want to see him do it too. What does that do for a, an offense and a receiving core specifically? Well, you don't have to hold anything back. You're not worrying about a quarterback being on time. You're not worrying about a quarterback uh, making a bad read. You, know, you just trust it. So you can worry about everything else that's going on. You can worry about a uh, you know, young group of receivers running routes. You can worry about a, a young offensive line developing. You know, the two, like you mentioned earlier, the two tackles, you know, they're only going into their second year, so big things to come. 
Um, but you just, it takes that whole pressure off the quarterback position because you know you have a leader. You know have, you have a guy. I mean, the guy, I mean, Gino last year, he was number six in the league in completions, number two in completion percentage behind Zappi from, from uh, Patriots, which doesn't really count. I don't think he had, like, the official amount of, amount of reps. But the guy's going to get it done. He's going he's gonna to step in and, and only get better. Um, I, I don't know. where. Do you see a place that he could get better this year? Protect the ball. That's all. Get it off on time. That's what it's all about as a quarterback. And I'm excited. We got lots more to do. You guys are listening to Hawks Live presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. The show starts every Thursday at 7 o'clock right here on Seattle Sports 710 broadcasting live from Bellevue Square Center Court. Come on. We're just getting started. Let's go. Week one, baby. <laughs> week one. Let's go. Hey, when we come back, we're going to preview this week's opponent, the Rams, right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Hawks Live, baby, we are live, man. It's presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Every Thursday at 7, we are right here with the greatest crowd in all the land. Give it up for yourselves. Week one, you guys are ready to go, man. I appreciate that. But it's time to talk about the guys coming into town, the Los Angeles Rams, B. And I don't care who's starting, who's not starting, who's the quarterback, who's missing. You know they're going to play us tough, right? But let me uh, give an insight of what they did last year. Last year, they were the worst offense in the NFL, averaging 280 yards per game. When it comes to running the rock, they were 27th, averaging 97 yards per game. When it comes to throwing that thing, they had 182 yards per game. That's 27th. And putting points on the board, they were 27th as well, averaging 18 points per game. All that sounds good, but we know how this goes. I've watched this team play against the Seahawks for years now. The series is 27 to 22 in favor of the Seahawks. We know that means absolutely nothing. Word on the street is Cooper Cup's not going to be there. I don't care. They always find a way. We, we've gotten beaten by a backup quarterback by the Rams before. I think his name is Wolford back in the day, a couple years ago maybe. So I'm not comfortable. I'm confident, but I'm not comfortable. When you look at this Rams team, it's changed a bit. Aaron Donald and Ernest Jones are the only two names that are maybe household names. We know one is a household name, but the other one isn't. Two names that you know are going to get it done over there. What challenges do you see when the Seahawks play the Los Angeles Rams? Honestly, the, the challenge is that the same challenge the Rams always bring. I mean, when we were, we used to play the Rams back in, you know, back in 2012 to 2014. And whenever you went there, went to St. Louis, they came. I mean, no matter, they were bad back then, but man, they always, they gave us one of our losses. You know, we had four losses that Super Bowl year and they were one of them. <laughs> and you just, they always brought it. It's just something to do with the Rams Seahawks rivalry. And, and, and the thing about this year is Every team is 0-0, right? It's a fresh start. And, and the Rams are going in with their team. And no matter what the national media says, no matter what we say about them, they're going in thinking they have a chance. You know? and, and that's that's the danger. They're a young team. I think they're the second youngest team in the league. The youngest. We're the second youngest. Oh, really? Is that yeah. what? Okay. Well, then, I, I stand corrected. So, so they are the youngest team in the league. So they're a bunch of young guys coming in and ready to prove something. Um, you know, you look at him offensively, uh, you have Matthew Stafford. He's a vet. He knows what he's doing. He had a rough year last year. He's banged up, um, didn't play a lot. I think Baker Mayfield took over for a little bit, and uh, I know someone else did. But uh, he's back. He's healthy, and he's ready to go. He's without his number one weapon for at least four weeks, but it doesn't matter. I mean, these guys, Van Jefferson, um, who, uh, Atwell, these, these are guys that have been to a Super Bowl. 
And, and so, you know, I know I want to stand up here and bash on the Rams that they're going to be the worst team in the league, but you just, week one, you never know what you're right. going to get. Right. Um, so you know, they have a lot of playmakers out there, and this offense has, I think the offensive line is going to be, you know, it's kind of a carousel right now. I know Sean McVay has said that, you know, they don't necessarily know who their starting five is going to be on the offensive line. They're kind of going ever since um, Whitworth left and, you know, all their Super Bowl guys have, are gone. They've been kind of uh, rough. And, and that's what worries me about Stafford because Stafford needs to sit back there in the pocket. I love coach talk, right? You think Sean McVay don't know who his starting five is going to be right now? <laughs> you know he knows who his starting five is going to be, but they're not going to give anything up to us. And uh, that's just how the game goes. I look at the NFL differently than I look at NCAA. NCAA, you see Alabama, whoever they're playing week one, that's going to be a win, right? Most teams week one, you can kind of predict what's going to happen. The NFL is different. There's only 32 teams out there, and the worst team has some of the best athletes in the world on that team. So I, we never sleep on these guys because of that, but we don't sleep on them because we know the history of this. Now, defensively, we got, these guys were ranked the Rams 19th overall, giving up 341 points per game. When it comes to the run, they were 13th, giving up 115. When it comes to throwing the ball, they were 21st, giving up 226. And then scoring, they were 21st, giving up 22.6 points. I look at the strength of the Seahawks right now, and I look at the Rams, and I go, it has to be the matchup, our offense versus their defense to set the tone. And then it's going to flip because the Hawks gave, gave up 150 yards per game last year on the ground that's near the bottom of the league. If I am the Los Angeles Rams, I'm going to hand it off to Cam Akers and say, all right, show me that you've gotten better and you can stop the run. Exactly. And, and you're without Cooper Cup, so let, let's keep the ball on the ground if you're the Rams and, and see that what the moves the Seahawks have made in the offseason have, have paid off, right? You're going to challenge them there right away. But, but then you go defensively the Rams. I'm, whenever you're against a team that has Aaron Donald on it, you're, it's not an easy task for that day. So the offensive line will have their hands full because Aaron Donald is going to have to take two, three guys at times to make sure he doesn't disrupt Geno Smith and what he plans to do. So, you know, the Rams, you know, not the, not the, the big national powerhouse per se people would say you know they're not picked to win any Super Bowls but they're going to come in here and they're going to put up a fight and it's a it's a tough opening game for the Seahawks yes it is man and um there's some matchups that are going to happen you mentioned Matthew Stafford all right let's not forget who this guy is I think he might be a Hall of Fame quarterback at this point of his career because he did win a Super Bowl um, he is healthy and he is ready to go. You look at Cam Makers, we talked about him. His relationship with the Rams has been rocky, right? He got hurt, he came back, he was cut, he came back. I compared Cam Akers and the Rams' relationship to like when you're just, you cut it off with your, your partner, you're still talking, and then your mom still invites them to the family gathering. You're like, all right, we might as well come. Right? We still got a relationship, <laughs> but let's see what happens there. Um, but I think that there's enough proven names on the Seahawks defense to give the Rams a run for it. Now, we talk about guys who are missing. Cooper Cup is gone, but you still got Van Jefferson over there. He is liable for a big play. And the guy's name, who I'm just going to butcher, I'm just going to put it out there right now, uh, Skornick? Yeah, I was going to say, say the same. Uh, no, I have no idea how to say that. I know he can I've ball. I know years. he's a good player, but I, I jack his name up every time. Ben, I'm let's to call say him Ben. We'll call him Ben. <laughs> ben. Uh, so there's enough. And then you have an offensive coordinator who's capable, who understands how to get guys open and put them in the right spots. So whenever you have a quarterback who's more than capable, an offensive coordinator who understands what he's seen, you always got to give the opposition a chance. Yeah, Cam, Cam Akers is a, is a household name, too. I mean, you, everyone, everyone around the league knows who he is, right? I mean... 
and he's uh, he's going to come in and he's going to be making plays and the Seahawks have to put their best uh, foot forward to stop him. I mean, there's no question about it, and especially with a lot of the new faces on the Seahawks that, uh, you know, you're going to ask a lot of just as their first game as a Seahawk. You know, a lot of these guys didn't play a lot in the preseason. They, they came in and they, uh, um, you know, maybe played a series or two. So a, some of these guys are going to get their first real action, you know, like uh, uh, Draymond Jones. I think he played one series in the preseason, correct? Um, yep. and, and so a lot of it's getting your game foot back. So you just don't know. Uh, you, you need them to respond. And, and the, the one thing we need the Seahawks to do against the Rams is stop the run. Make Stafford put it into these not unproven receivers because they are proven, but lack, no, not having Cooper Cup available. Right. Yeah. Show me. Cooper's gone. Y'all yes. got to show yep. me you can do it. Hey, come join us here at Hawks Live at Bellevue Square Center Court. Well, you'll have a chance to win gift cards from the Bellevue Collections Dining District. Today, they're giving away gift cards to Fogo de Chao and STK Steakhouse, man. Come on, be a part of this audience and get her done. Coming up next, man, we're going to talk to wide receiver Jake Bubble. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. You are listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Every Thursday at 7, we will be right here. And right now, we are joined by a fan favorite. I said he was going to make the team from day one. That's just me, though. Jake Bobo. Jake, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good, brother. How you doing? Hey, I'm well, man. And uh, you know what, Jake? I had the opportunity. I work for the Pac-12 Network as well. And oh, good deal. I, saw you, I saw you do your thing. Very first game I saw you play was against the University of South Alabama. And I'm like, hey, y'all got to look out for this Jake Bobo, man. And um, I'm glad that you landed in Seattle because I feel like they do a great job of finding these diamonds in the rough. And uh, I'm just happy that you made the team. So let me get the congratulations out the way. And I guess we can talk some football now, man. Awesome. <laughs> hey, um, I appreciate it, guys. Yes, sir. All day. Um, what is it about Seattle? We've heard, we've spoken to veterans that make their way to Seattle, rookies that make their way to Seattle. What is it about the region and the organization that allows guys to be themselves and, and just focus on playing ball? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and I, I'm trying, you know, I've tried to kind of formulate my answer for, you know, family and friends and asking, you know, how's it going? What's it like? Um, and the, the, the organization is just different, guys. I don't know how to kind of explain it. I th it obviously starts, you know, at the top, um, you know, with Coach Carroll um, and, and the energy he kind of exudes. Um, but it's a very – it's a unique combo of, you know, you're laid back, you're having fun, you're glad to be in the facility every day. Um, and, and, and you combo that with, okay, when it's time to get down to business, it's time to go to work. You know, this is what we do here. Um, these are, you know, these are our standards. This is how we do it. Um, so it's an interesting combination, guys. It, that's kind of the best way I can explain it. Um, but yeah, like you said, man, I'm with you. I'm very, very happy I, I landed in this spot for sure. Hey, Jake, uh, Brian Walters here. I have to say, uh, fellow hey, number 19. Uh, undrafted free agent to Seattle as well. So I want to say congratulations. I love it. I love the number you're rocking. <laughs> hey, uh, being an undrafted free agent and, and I'm here with uh, Bump as well, what was your 
if you had one, I guess, what was your welcome to the NFL moment or, or uh, maybe a, hey, I can do this moment, whether it be a preseason or a practice, um, a rep or something where you just said, man, I got this. Like, this is going to be my time. Like, I, I can play in this league. Um, good question. Um, I think, to be honest, unfortunately, I've had a couple uh, welcome to the NFL moments. <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. Um, that's fortunately, not unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think one of them was, you know, in OTAs, uh, early in OTAs. Um, and then also it's kind of been continuous also kind of in this, this camp as well when you line up across from 27 um, yeah. and you, and you, you know, I'm used to lining up, checking with the official, looking in at the ball, looking across from me. And it's a DB that's, you know, maybe five, ten, six foot, six, one at the most. Um, you know, I get out there one day and I line up and I look across and, and the dude's bigger than me. That's the first, <laughs> you know, like you're, it's not often you line up for the play. You look across and you're looking up at the DB. Um, and so that was kind of like, you know, okay, this is how it's going to be. Um, you know, I think there wasn't necessarily a, a point in time where I, I thought, you know, I can, I can do this. Um, I th- it's kind of been gradual, um, you know, getting, you know, more and more reps kind of as, as camp went along. Um, I think that first, that first preseason game though, um, when I, I catching that touchdown against the Vikes, um, that was cool for me. Obviously I had a, you know, I had a ton of family at the game as well. Um, so that, that moment was kind of like, okay, you know, maybe I do, I do belong on this stage. That's awesome, man. There's nothing like validation. And I think in this league, mm-hmm. if no you doubt. get that validation early, man, the sky's the limit. And you're, you're an example of that. Um, you're an East Coast guy. So uh, you yes, started off at Duke. So one that tells me your grades were on point because anybody just ain't getting into Duke. <laughs> all right. And then you decide to make the switch to the West Coast to UCLA. What was it about UCLA and Chip Kelly that made you want to go out there and be a part of that? Yeah, um, I think – First of all, I was trying to find a spot where I could compete, um, you know, for a national championship. And so I was, you know, looking at a couple of different places, landed at UCLA uh, for a couple of different reasons. One, the talent that I saw there. I wanted to play with some of the guys on that team, talk about guys like Dorian Thompson-Robinson, talk about Sharp, Zach Charbonnet, who's up here with us now. Um, and just seeing those guys and those offensive weapons. Um, and, and I definitely thought, you know, with, with that kind of talent, you know, alongside Coach Kelly, uh, Chip's um, scheme um, and offensive um, kind of firepower, um, that that'd be a great great spot for me to land. Um, Coach Chip is a Northeast guy as well, um, so I kind of you know uh, resonated with that a little bit, um, and then and you know it was cool to kind of be coached from by a guy from the same area as you, um, and then his scheme as well. He said he's going to move me in and out. Uh, be able to play in the slot, be able to play out wide. Um, that was something I wanted to do as well. Hey, Jake, you mentioned uh, lining up against a guy like Reek Woolen, but I got to say, you know, I used to go against a Legion of Boom every day, and as a whiteout, they're not that good. <laughs> you know, you know, they're not that good, right? Whiteout's always got them. And in your whiteout room, you have a couple guys, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. How have they mm-hmm. kind of helped you along the way and adjust to the NFL? They've been huge. Um, and, you know, they've been big in terms of kind of welcoming, you know, both rookies in. Even when we had, you know, the tryout guys and camp guys, um, you know, they were awesome in welcoming us in, you know, helping with scheme, um, helping to understand, you know, this is where we do it in the NFL, this is where we do it in this building, 
Um, but the other thing, too, is, you know, they don't realize they're helping you just by going out there and doing what they do on a daily basis. Like, for me, the biggest thing is just being able to watch both of those guys. And, you know, you have on one end the physicality and the, the, the you know, the sheer talent um, alongside, you know, the the work ethic that's, you know, DK. And then on the other side, it's the same work ethic, but it's a little bit of, of a different style of play and, and lock. Um, and so being able to take different things that they show um, and kind of incorporate that a little bit into my game, um, that's been, been the biggest thing. And like I said, they've been awesome with me in terms of, you know, helping me along um, in terms of, you know, scheme and some of that stuff. But they also probably don't realize they're, they're much more help than they think they are. Jake, there's a part of football that I feel is extremely flawed and overrated, and that is the 40. I think that if you just put on <laughs> film, you. right? Come on now. I, if you just put on the film, you can see if he can ball or not. And that's the way I felt about you. I go, he can ball, man. For, forget the 40 time. So what is it about your game do you think that stands out if someone were to look at the All-22 and watch Jake Bobo go to work that makes them forget about the most overrated thing in football, in my opinion, which is the 40? Yeah, um, I think, honestly, it's, um, you know, my ability to, to kind of realize and see my own weaknesses. So it's almost my lack of NFL, quote-unquote, speed, um, that kind of actually helps my game. And it's, you know, me knowing that I've got to use change of pace. I've got to use misdirection. i got to use leverage in order to beat DBs because I'm not just going to beat him with sheer speed. Um, and I think that actually, you know, that helps a ton in terms of getting in and out of breaks because I'm not actually moving that fast, but I, I'll give you the illusion that I'm moving fast. And so it's kind of using uh, some of that stuff. Um, to you know, it's the the art of of playing receiver. That you know, going back to your last question, both DK and Locke use um, in in incredible ways. It's been awesome for me to see, and and so that kind of just adds to kind of my uh, my skill set for sure. I love that making every route look the same, right? You're selling it mm-hmm. deep, and the DB has Damn no right. idea what you're doing. Hey, uh, Jake, did you uh, did you play any special teams at UCLA? Not at UCLA because I was the I was the old man. I was a fifth year grad transfer, um, okay. so they kind of kept me kept me out of that. Um, I did at Duke um, early. Um, played on punt was you know was on punt return. Played on kickoff return. But what's new is, is having to run down there and cover kicks on uh, on on kickoff. So that's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to doing that. Yeah, that was my question. How's that adjustment been? You know, as an undrafted guy, I know you're going to be called upon playing special teams oh, yeah. in some positions you never played before. How's that been for yeah. you? I mean, it's been awesome, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, you know, I, I haven't played a whole lot of defense since uh, my high school days. Um, so be, being able to go out there and, and um, you know, and tackle people, to be quite honest with you, has <laughs> been um, – it's been a lot of fun, um, and I, I've definitely enjoyed it. And I, you know, I think I expected to, um, but it's been good. It's a constant, you know, area of improvement for me because I haven't done a whole lot of it. Um, but you know, with that being said, I'm excited, looking forward to it for sure. Well, Jake, we're excited for you. I know the 12s are behind you. I'm looking at 30 to 40 faces who are excited, and uh, man, we're glad you're here. Good luck this weekend, man. Do your thing. Awesome, guys. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you.
That was Jake Bobo, man. I'm so excited for that dude. I think he's really going to have an impact on this team. And, again, I want to reiterate, if you've never been to Fogo de Chao, please go check it out. Man, they got 17 different meat options. So whether you like the lamb, the chicken, the pork, the steak, it's all good in that. Caprinha. I hope I'm saying it right for my Portuguese family out there. Let me know if I'm saying it wrong. All right, it's a traditional cocktail. You'll love it. We have the Wagyu steak. That was bomb. They got private dining options. And also, there's a program called No Kid Goes Hungry. It helps kids in need. Also, ask your service or your servicer about that. And, uh, man, we'll be good to go. So, Lots more to do when we get back. We'll go around the NFL. This is Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live on air on Seattle Sports. You guys are in for a treat, man. We are. It's good. Hawks Live. We got Zach Charbonnet with us. Give it up one more time for Zach Charbonnet. Yes, sir. Thank yes, you. sir, man. Zach, man, you're a, you're a Southern Cali dude. I'm a Southern Cali dude. Um, so you made the, the short trip up to Seattle. How do you like the, the, uh, the region so far? Yeah, I mean, I love it. The weather right now is not too far off from my hometown, California. So it's been real nice. Not too much rain yet. I know it's coming soon eventually, but, you know, it's been cool. So I'm loving it. I'll tell you what, it's the best training camp in, uh, in professional sports, that's for sure. Just being out in Seattle, you got the sun, you're on the lake. What did you think of your first training camp? Oh, yeah, I mean, it was awesome, especially just the view from the lake, just the, the way the facility's set up, how it's structured, everything on it. You know, they even got the 12 on the side of it. So, I mean, you know, it, it's really cool. It's been a great experience so far. Man, one of my first ever college games, my first, no, it was my first ever college game. I got to watch Deshaun Foster run through Colorado State and pop a helmet off a linebacker. You got to learn from this dude, man. What was that like learning from one of the great UCLA running backs? Yeah, I mean, my time with him was only, it was short, but, you know, it was amazing. Just the, the knowledge of the game that he was able to just give to me, especially being a player and played in the league for a long, or for a good amount of time, you know, just all the different little things to just make a good running back. You know, he really instilled that into me, just always making the first dude miss, just adding stuff to my arsenal. So I really loved my time under him. And, you know, I just give a lot of credit to him just developing me as a player. Hey, you know, as a running, I mean, well, well I'm not going to lie, you're different than a lot of other running backs, right? I mean, you got the power, you got everything, right? So when did you, when did you realize that you were different and, and how did you develop that as, as a player? Yeah, I mean... There's never really a point where I just realized I was different. It was really just when, you know, I was just a kid and just watching it on TV, watching my family, my cousins play the game. You know, that's really when I started falling in love with the game. I saw the transformation really, I really had a transformation going into my junior year to my senior year of high school, you know, just that was when I really saw my body develop, really hitting the weights and stuff like that, really running and really saw a difference. So that was kind of the real big difference where I was like, okay, you know, like I can really be different if you know what I mean. Well, my man went to Oaks Christian. If y'all know about Oaks Christian, it's one of the best high schools in Southern California yeah, up there, there with go. Modern Day and Bosco <laughs> and all that stuff. Um, so you were different as soon as you laced it up on a Friday for Oaks Christian for sure. I hear you got a little brother at Oaks Christian's right now getting some, uh, some, some offers, man. What position does he play? And uh, tell me about him. Yeah, so he plays lineman. Okay. He's a, he has a different dad, so, you know, he's a lot bigger than I am. He's about 6'4", 300 pounds, so. Definitely different than me, but, you know, I just went out to the game last week to just watch him, one of the high school games. So really enjoyed it. You know, I'm happy for him, you know, as he's going to his senior year. He really put in a lot of work this offseason, just being at home, being able to watch that. So I'm excited to see where him and the team take this year. Think you could uh, see yourselves playing on the same team in the NFL someday? <laughs> 
That would be a dream. <laughs> yeah, I know my family would love that. That'd be awesome. Hey, what was, uh, have you had a welcome to the NFL moment? You know, anything, you know, a big yeah, hit I mean, in practice. I would say definitely just the first day in the building, just looking at the playbook and stuff yeah. like that. You know, that was yeah. definitely way different from college. Yeah. College was a lot more simple. There's a lot less details and stuff like that you got to worry about. And as of now, you know, just being in here and going through training camp and now getting ready for the regular season, there's just a lot more in that there's a lot more put into the game plan and stuff like that. A lot more film you got to watch, a lot more just dissecting the defense. So definitely, that was a big transition. Man, so like I mentioned, you're a Southern California dude, and then you go to Michigan. What was it about Michigan that made you want to uh, play football there? And then how did you end up at UCLA? Yeah, just kind of going throughout that process. I took an official up there. My family loved Coach, um, Coach Jim Harbaugh. You know, I love Harbaugh. So, you know, that, that was one of the main reasons. I love the way, the style of the offense and stuff he played. You know, he was, he's an old school coach, physical, stuff like that. So really love that part. And then just kind of going through COVID and stuff like that. I mean, a shortened season, just hearing about not playing the next season and stuff like that. So I just decided to end up coming home, just being close to my sister. Um, you know, she kind of has Williams syndrome. So like she has like heart issues and stuff like that. So, you know, I just thought it'd be better to just be home, especially if we're not playing any games, stuff right. like that. Jim Harbaugh, man. We had some battles with him with the <laughs> Niners back in the day here. Um, you know, what, what was uh, a couple teammates played for Jim Harbaugh with Doug and Sherm? Do you see a big difference between Pete's philosophy and, and playing for like a Chip Kelly or a Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, you know, definitely just a lot of different philosophies right there. Right. Chip Kelly was all about science and just everything was based off science, how we practiced, how we worked out, everything like that. Whereas as le at least my time playing with Jim, you know, obviously anything could have changed from that point, but it was more like, you know, just violent physical hit and stuff like that. And, you know, I know that's Chip, that's something that Chip's been trying to instill the last couple of years too, but he definitely relies um, a lot on the science aspect of the game. Man, you made two plays in the preseason where I was like, yep, here we go. There's one, uh, I, I, I think it was the first home game where you tried to run through somebody so hard that you popped the <laughs> shoulder up. And I thought you fumbled, but you were just trying to run through them. And then there was a run, the last home game, where you hit the sideline, thought you were stepping out stiff arm, then you gained a few more yards. When you have moments like that, do you look at the film and say, okay, I'm validated? Or do you, as soon as you strap it on, you just have that feeling of validation and know that you're going to get yours regardless? Yeah, I mean... I definitely dedicate a lot to just the pre-warm-up that I do, you know, just the music I got blasting and stuff right. like that. That's kind of what gets me going. And, I mean, that violent aspect of the game, that's always been a part of my game. You know, I always enjoyed it. And, you know, that's just the player I am, and I'm going to continue to be. One more. Hey, so, violent runner, what music do you listen to before the game? <laughs> Is it the opposite? You, like, you smooth it out so you can get violent, or you listen to violent to get violent? Like, what, what's, what's the vibe? Yeah, I mean, usually in the morning, you know, I kind of start off with some R&B, some low-key stuff, and then... Yeah. As the day progresses, I start picking it up, and then right before the game, I always play Chief Keef. Yeah, that's go. my go-to every time. <laughs> that's go. what really gets me in that mindset. I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, second-round pick. Tell us about draft day. I mean, did you expect to come to Seattle? Did you have an inkling you were going to come to Seattle? Who did you think you were going to go to? Tell us about that experience. Yeah, I mean, that was a crazy experience for me. You know, I was here, especially from Deshaun, has gone through the process that he got drafted from a team that he barely heard of. So Seattle was one of those teams that, you know, I didn't really hear of. I had an official or – I think it was called an official um, at the combine. I met with them, but ever since then, no meetings, no calls, nothing like that. So, I mean, it really wasn't in my mind at all 
and then I got the call from Washington. I was like, okay, like this is happening. So I'm just excited to be here, though. What area code did you see? 425 or 206? 425. 425. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I saw the WA, and that's how I knew. <laughs> so, yeah, there's only one team in that state. Let's go yeah. get it. <laughs> Man, so you're here, and uh, you got a teammate that's here as well. You got Jake Bowe. We just spoke to him. And what's that like having somebody familiar that you know up here going through the process with you? Yeah, it's been great, you know, especially just being able to rely on each other and just help each other out through the process. It's definitely been a great to have him here and to just be a help to one another. So, you know, he's been doing a lot of great things here. So I'm just excited to see him continue to grow and get better. And he does that every single day. And, he, you know, he just puts in the work. So I'm excited. I got to ask you. So, you know, everywhere I went, probably Bump went, you know, you had a nickname or something given to you. Is there something that the guys call you in the locker room? that, you know, it, fan, you want fans to know or something. You know, mine was B-Walt. I don't know what they called you, Bump. It's just Bump. It's Bump. I read something, you know, you were called Terminator at one point. Uh, you know, what, what do they call you in the locker room? What Here? can we refer you to, refer as, refer to you as? Uh, I don't have anything right now that okay. I like, Karen, so I'll, we'll, we'll hold off on that so one. So it's open. We can, we yeah, can, we we'll can start this, Bump. Right, it's wide open. <laughs> Charbonnet, it sounds so smooth. And it I does. watch you run. You got that smoothness and that violence in it, too. So maybe we'll, we'll find something here pretty soon <laughs> and see if you like it. Um, man, so you look at that running back room. You got Ken Walker went for 1,000 yards. You got DJ Dallas, who doesn't get enough love, I think. Um, Kenny McIntosh, who we haven't seen yet. And then there's you. When you look in that running back room, what do you see and what do you think the potential of that room is? Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't think I know. We have a great room, and I'm just excited to take the field with these guys. I know we're going to be one of the best rushing teams this year, so I'm just excited to put that on display. I don't have too much to say, but we'll rather just show it. Yeah. How excited are you for the home opener? I mean, it's here. I'm excited. I mean, it's what I've been waiting for my whole life, so I'm just excited to get the opportunity and just go out and just play as hard as I can and do whatever I can to help the team win, no matter what or whatever position they put me in, so... So I was an undrafted free agent. Safe to say my signing bonus was nothing like yours. <laughs> the first thing I did is I went to Costco and I bought a 42-inch screen TV, which was a lot of money back then. It was like 1100 bucks back then. Anything special you, you got with your, your first check or signing bonus? Still haven't got nothing special yet. Still kind of holding off and weighing on that. Right now I'm just kind of just saving my money, I guess. I spent a lot of it on food and stuff like that outside of the facility, but that's where all my money's gone so far. Better than me. I was sending them on the checks. I was doing way too much mine drafting free agent check. <laughs> I, I couldn't afford a TV with my signing <laughs> bonus. I mean, I, I'll go ahead and say, I think I got $250. That's a signing <laughs> <What>? bonus. <laughs> yeah. Like pay for your gas? Out of Cornell. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, w I wish I could have bought a TV. Uh, <laughs> hey, what, uh, what veteran players helped you the most in your transition, uh, you know? to the NFL yeah I mean definitely just take advice from Bobby you know he kind of helps me just continue to develop my pass protection especially that's something that's going to be vital for me at the NFL level so he kind of just gives me tips and tricks in there and then definitely just all the vets in the running back room I look up to those guys they helped me out throughout the process to just keep me up and um, just have me going on the offense so definitely give credit to those guys in the NFL locker room there's like different sections right the DBs, when I was playing, are the loudest section there. They always talk the most. The linemen are probably the quietest, yet the quirkiest, right? How would you describe the personality of the RB room? And is there still a section, RB section, or do they mix you guys up now in the locker room? Yeah, it's, it's really all mixed up. Yeah. yeah. So we're not really next to each other, but especially in the running back room, just all different types of personalities. So just loving. All right. Well, hey, 
one more time for Zach Charbonnet. Gonna do his thing you, this thank year, you. guys. Thank appreciate you, wait. Zach. Can't wait to watch you. Hey, come thank join you. us here at Hawks Live at Bellevue Square Center Court, where you'll have a chance to win gift cards from the Bellevue Collections Dining District. Tonight, they're giving away gift cards to Fogo de Chao and SDK Steakhouse. When we return, we'll go around the NFL. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Welcome back to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Every Thursday at 7, we right here. Man, you guys come join us. We got a great crowd. We're giving things away. We just had Zach Charbonnet join us. Jake Bobo was on the line with us as well. But we're not done yet. We got about an hour left. So you guys, man, hang in there with us. Um, it's time to go around the NFL. And um, the football season officially kicked off tonight. And right now, we got the Detroit Lions up 21-20 to against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I knew Travis Kelsey was going to be out. And on the Bump and Stacey show today, I said, look, we're going to find out what Pat Mahomes is really made of. He's only played two games without Travis Kelsey. In those two games, he has a quarterback rating of over 100, I believe. He has thrown for over 500 yards. But there's nothing like the real thing. So I'm excited for the Detroit Lions because they're a team that must be respected. And I think um, they're putting people on notice right now. I mean, you, you surprised so far about uh, what's going on? I mean, there was a lot of hype around the Lions coming into the, you know, the all offseason. So here they go. They got the test right away. And taking the Chiefs down to the, uh, to the wire here in the fourth, up one. We'll see if they can hold on to it. Uh, Jared Goff over there, you know, showing uh, everyone why the Lions like him. Uh, what is he, 22 for 34 so far, 250. He's doing well. Um, but you're right, it'll be, we'll see how the, the Chiefs can start here without Travis Kelsey um, for a little bit. See how, who Mahomes gives those targets to and who can really step up into his place. All right, so let's take a trip around the NFL right now. Um, there are some rookie quarterbacks who are going to play. We got Anthony Richardson. We got Bryce Young. We also have Stroud as well. When I look at those three, I look at Anthony Richardson and I think, look, this guy physically has the talent to be something special. I just don't think he's ready to be a special quarterback yet. I think he'd be a special athlete and still affect the game. When I look at the other two quarterbacks, I think, all right, these guys are more ready to go. When you look at those three quarterbacks, who do you like the most? Who do you think is going to have the better season? Well, I think I'm going to go along with uh, a lot of people on this. And I'm going to say Anthony Richardson has the most potential, right, right. For, for his athleticism and, and what he can do with it. And it's just all going to be about the work he puts in and how he can, can really uh, get into that playbook and understand and, 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 and limit, actually really complete passes, right? You don't want him to have that 50% or below completion percentage that he had kind of in college. So it's about his improvement. His potential is, is off the charts. Um, I, I think that Bryce Young was a first, uh, number one pick for a reason. Um, I, I think he's going to have one heck of a career. Um, size doesn't matter. I think he's a great quarterback um, coming from Alabama. And, you know, the fun thing is uh, you didn't mention uh, uh, Ritter, right, from Ritter, the Desmond Falcons. Yep. You know, he played one game, I think, last year, um, if, if that was right. But um, he, uh, him and Bryce Young are, are squaring off first, first week of the season. So I'm excited about that. Two young quarterbacks coming in, and uh, we'll see who get, comes out with the, the first win. All right, we got some young quarterbacks. Let's talk about some older quarterbacks now. I mean, you got Derek Carr over there in Nolens with the Saints. You got uh, Aaron Rodgers on the East Coast with the Jets. 
Um, there's one more. I'm thinking about that made a move. Oh, can't Rocket. forget. How can I forget about Baker Mayfield with oh, the Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers? Yeah. Man, when you look at these these older quarterbacks, I think it's safe to say that we expect Aaron Rodgers to probably have the better season. Um, but I look at Derek Carr and I say, look, he's never played with a defense that was ranked lower than 20 uh, with his time over there with, with Oakland slash Las Vegas. I look at the New Orleans Saints. I look at that defense and say, all right, it might be better. Then I look at the playing conditions. Whenever you get somebody over 30-something and they play half of their games indoors, that's going to help them. Um, how do you think Derek Carr is going to do over there down south? I, I like Derek Carr. I, I really do. I think he's a nice middle-of-the-road quarterback. But you got to have weapons around him. And I don't know, you know, yeah, Chris uh, – uh, Olave, Olave, yep. I always pronounce that wrong as well. Olave uh, uh, around, you, ha- you have, um, well, Kamara's on, he's, he's suspended. suspended for what, six Got weeks? a little bit of trouble. Four weeks, six yeah. weeks? Something like that. Yeah, so you have, uh, is it Williams came in, they signed him, yep. running back? Yep. yep, Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, so they have, uh, they have some pieces around him, so we'll see how he can uh, distribute, but I, I still think he's a middle-of-the-road quarterback. Um, you know, I, I think uh, he's not going to be the, the make-or-break for the Saints. It'll be up to other things for the Saints, you know, how, how can that defense respond and, and all that. And I forgot about Garoppolo's in Vegas yeah. now, another yeah. guy, another veteran coming in. Um, in Vegas, I don't know, they, the expectations aren't too high for them. What do you think? How do you think that Vegas will turn out? Oh, man, Vegas is a crapshoot. See that? You guys see what I did there? Bars. All right. Uh, it's like a crime it. shoot over there in Vegas. We shall see. I want to ask you guys about our ex, Russell Wilson. Ooh. All right. Oh, we're booing him. Y'all forget what he did for Seattle. He brought a Super Bowl here. I understand your feelings about Russell Wilson. And there's a lot going on over there in Denver. I think he's going to be better. I think, I mean, you can't get any worse than what he did last year. The, the latest over there in Denver is Sean Payton called him out and said, man, stop kissing babies. You're not running for office. I think that's part of Russell Wilson's personality, though. That's who he is. So if he's able just to focus on football and get rid of the extra stuff, um, what do you think the potential is for him over there in Denver? I, I, oh, boy. I, I'm going to be I'm gonna be very— I forgot you played with I Russell. Didn't play well. I I'm going to be very vague with this, but I will say it is about time someone said that to him. Okay. Uh, it is because, you know, he doesn't need to be— perfect everywhere like play football that's your job play so, so get in there don't let everything else get in the way right. go in and, and you know we all Russ is an athlete he can make plays we saw him make some some of the best plays in Seahawks history out here so if he can get back to that Russ then you know Denver well, I mean they were pretty bad last year so there's yeah. not a lot to move forward but they're going to improve this year and, and I think just having Sean Payton there uh, no matter who your quarterback is is going to make him better yeah I mean you could have I don't even want to say a name because that'll be, uh, be <laughs> disrespectful. But you gotta have anybody there, and that quarterback will improve and will uh, from the season before. And honestly, we can like him again, folks. We're not getting a pick from Denver. We don't play Denver. All right, he's he's off in Colorado. We we can show him a little bit of love. There was a big contract that went down today. Nick Bosa got paid five years, one hundred and seventy million, one twenty-two guaranteed. There was no doubt in my mind that the 49ers were going to get this done. Um, Joe Burrow got paid as well. Man, the highest paid football player of all time, going to get about $55 million per year. There's money out there, but um, I want to focus on the division and Nick Bosa. You look at this 49ers defense, you got Nick Bosa. You bring over Hargrave on the defensive line. You got Fred Warner. You got Hufunga in the secondary. This team is stacked. 
But when I look at the division, I say, look, it's between the Seahawks and the 49ers. Is there anywhere, any edge you think the 49ers, excuse me, the Seahawks have over the 49ers, or is it the 49ers division to lose? I, I, I mean, you have to go to the quarterback. I, I, I think the 49ers would take Geno Smith over Brock Purdy any day. Um, maybe I'm biased because we're in Seattle, but I just, the thing about the 49ers that makes them so dangerous is it doesn't really matter who's at quarterback, unless the quarterback has like a broken arm and he can't throw like we showed <laughs> in the NFC Championship last year. Then it matters right. a little bit, but for the most part, they have so many playmakers with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk, um, uh, George Kittle, uh, you know, whoever's playing quarterback there, uh, Shanahan just finds a way to to get the ball into the playmakers' hands as fast as possible and let them um, take over the game. And so that's where, you know, a guy like Brock Purdy has been perfect for him because he's been able to just distribute, uh, not make a big mistake. Uh, and, and also, you also you have the be- one of the best defenses in the league there, as you talked about. You, you know, Nick Bosa with the new contract, and Fred Warner, best linebacker in the league. And so the Niners, are, they're, they're for real. They're for real as long as Brock Purdy, Purdy's arm doesn't, you know, <laughs> do what it did last year. I think they're going to be a tough uh, competitor for the Seahawks, uh, and it'll be a, a race right to the finish. Got to keep that UCL intact. That's fair. Keep it intact. Kind of important. Here's an update. Detroit Lions have the football. They stopped the Kansas City Chiefs on third and one, had to put it on the foot with six minutes left. They have the ball now. They were facing a first and 15, and they picked it up on the ground. It is now first down for the Detroit Lions with four minutes and 40 seconds left. We might see an upset here week one, but y'all ain't watching the game. You're here with us. We appreciate (laughs) y'all for that. Okay, we will return. We're going to measure success for the 2023 Seahawks. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection every Thursday right here at 7 o'clock. Let me give you an update of what's going on with this Chiefs game. It is now fourth and 20. Two minutes left. The Kansas City Chiefs are about to put it on the foot and give it to the Detroit Lions. They are down one point. We are looking at an upset right now. Okay, let's talk about these Seahawks, man, and and what success means in 2023. Last year, I gave these dudes five wins. BSM, five, maybe six wins. They say, bump, you don't know what you're talking about. We'll give you nine and make it to the playoffs. So now this year, I'm still hesitant, right? I'm still hesitant. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to give them a five or six. I might give them nine or ten. But there's a bunch of things that need to happen to get to nine or ten. How many wins do you think they're going to get? And I hope I'm low. I hope I'm wrong, all right? But I'm always on the cautious side. I, uh, I go to Vegas. I bet the minimum. I just sit there and drink the free drinks. Like, I'm not the guy who, who throws it all out there. So what do you think the record's going to be, and then how do they get there? You know, I, I might be a homer in this. You know, I'm from Seattle, grew up a Hawks fan, so I always want to see him do well. I'm going 12. All right. That's my number is 12 because you look at the schedule, two against the Niners. I think they play the Eagles. I think they play the Lions. Uh, I got to refresh. There's a couple other tough games, maybe the Bengals uh, and the Cowboys. You know, I think those are kind of the big games. You expect to, you know, lose a few of those, win a couple of them, and then you might lose a couple you're expected to win. But not a lot of you're not going to lose a lot that you're expected to win. So I can see 12, 12 and five record. 
how they're going to get there, <laughs> I, I think there is no question in this, stop the run better than last <laughs> year. I don't know. What do you think, Bob? <laughs> yeah, uh, it starts with the run. Like I said, they gave up a buck 50 um, a game. That was good enough for like 30th in the league. But hopefully you've gotten the right pieces to address that. Now, you bring over Jay Reed at that nose tackle spot. I didn't expect him to be at the nose. I expected him to be on the outside, maybe at the five tech. Um, but then you draft a Cam Young. Yeah, we haven't seen Cam Young yet. He's been banged up. But there, if there's any position that I feel like can affect a football team as soon as he steps on the field and have no experience, it's two positions, running back and defensive line. Defensive line, love to my big boys, but your job is to shoot a gap. Bam, shoot the gap, shoot the gap. There's, there's, not really complicated when it comes to that. So I think that Cam Young eventually is going to be okay. But it comes to stopping the run, and then can Gino prove to the rest of the country that he's for real? This wasn't a fluke. And honestly, I don't think you accidentally throw for over 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns and make a Pro Bowl and complete on 69% of your passes. I don't, think, I don't think you can just do that. All right? If that was the case, I should be in the NFL right now. I'll, I'll do it right now. Hey, I think it's funny. that pe- People take it in steps. You know, oh, first four games, he has a great start. Okay, but can he do it for the next four games? Oh, he does it for the next four. Okay, well, what about the second half? And there's always stepping stones, and no one's right. ever happy with it. Now it's, oh, well, can he do it this season? Yes, he can do it. He's proven he can do it for 18-plus games last year. So, so there's no more question on that. The questions are other places. Yeah, questions are other places. And how can these new additions enhance what the Hawks want to do? We talk about the defense. You bring over Cam Young, and you also bring over Derek Hall to help with the edge rushers. And let me point out the edge rushers. We talk a lot about the cornerbacks in that secondary. When you look at the edge and the talent they have on that edge with Uchenna, who just signed a deal, with, with DT, with Boye Mafe, with Derek Hall, with Tyreek Smith, the guy that we haven't seen all last year, we're going to see him for the first time this year, uh, they're going to be deep. And then on offense, can Zach Charbonnet contribute the way that we think? Can JSN does what we think he's going to do? And also, eventually, are we going to see Olu and Anthony Bradford? You made the point early in the show is that it's nice that you don't have to depend on these rookies right now. You can kind of work them into the system. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I go back to those outside linebackers and the depth there and how nice that's going to be as far as uh, I know Ray Roberts has talked about this a lot is just having that it's almost like a pitching rotation with those guys you know having having uh, Daryl Taylor Boye Mafe Derek Hall coming in and filling opposite of Uchenna because you know Uchenna's your guy Uchenna's your leader in that room you know as a six-year guy all these other guys are just young and learning still even even Daryl uh, Taylor is still young and, he, and he's learning still trying to max out his potential so you have those three guys and, and Tariq Smith uh, coming in and, and just almost like a rotation where for an offensive lineman, it's, you can't take a, a snap off. Whereas uh, I'm going to go back to exactly what Ray said is when he played, he used to sit there and, and when he would go against their starting line, he, he, he'd you know, work, work. And then when they bring their backup in, he's like, okay, this is kind of a playoff. I get to get a breather. But you don't have that against right. these guys. And that's what's really exciting. And, and obviously we talk, it's all potential, right? We need them to perform. Um, but it's, it's exciting to have that option there. This next one, I'm going to ask you who has the most pressure on them, but I want to exclude Gino because I think that's the easy one, right? Everyone wants to see if Gino can do it again. If you exclude Gino from the equation, you look at this team, the additions, uh, the coaches, anywhere in this organization, who do you think has the most pressure on them to have um, a good year this year? I'm going to go to Jamal Adams uh, w- when he comes back healthy. Just coming off of two years of injury, it's tough, and, and you feel for the guy. No one wants that. Right. 
but, but he's going to be called on again, right? He's going to be expected to not have lost a step after two big injuries, and he's going to be expected to be his all-pro self again. And so I think expectations are, are very high for him, and, and him coming back, I, I think that's why they'll be a little slower with him because uh, Pete doesn't want him to go out and, and, and hurt himself again, right? Come in and try to be the same guy he was when he was healthy. Right. And it's going to take some games, you know, limited reps to get back to that spot as coming off injuries. And if he's just thrown into the fire immediately, Jamal Adams is a, is a heck of an athlete and, and a competitor, and he's going to want to go full on. So it's more of a protective thing. So, But I, I think there's a lot of pressure on him when he comes back. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's pressure from the fans, too. You know, how many people... Every day they're texting into the show. Jamal this, Jamal that, not thinking he's going to get it done. Remember who he is when he's completely healthy. So if he can stay healthy, I'm with you. Um, I think a guy who has pressure on him who shouldn't have that much pressure on him is Devin Witherspoon because he was picked with the number five pick. And I think that people are expecting the Hawks to go a different route, maybe a, a Jalen Carter. Um, who was it? Was it Tyreek Hill from Texas Tech who, um, who was connected to the team as well? But no, Pete Carroll goes, we're going to go after the guy who we think is the best guy available, and they go Devin Witherspoon. Haven't seen a lot of him. His hamstring's been tweaking him a little bit, uh, but it sounds like he's healthy and he's working his way back into it. I think naturally you have pressure because you're the number five pick, but I also think that for him, he shouldn't feel too much pressure because he has all of these other guys in front of him that can help him out. Look, it took Trey Brown, what, two, three seasons to get on the football field because of injury and because of guys they had in front of him. So I look at, I look at Devin Witherspoon and say, naturally the pressure comes with being the number five pick, but you should probably ease up on him a little bit. Update on this game. It is first and 10. Detroit has the football. Kansas City has no more timeouts left. A minute 42 left. They are on Kansas City's 20-yard line. All they got to do is run the football, protect the ball. Take Game it. is over. They just took a knee. Goodness gracious. I wasn't ready for this. I, I knew Kelsey wasn't going to play, but I thought Mahomes was going to find a way to get it done. What do you think about this win? Uh, I mean, there's a question. Are the Lions for real, or is Travis Kelsey that important to the Chiefs? Mm. So that's what what you got to decide. But either way, this is the NFL. We, we talked about earlier in the show going up against the Rams, right? Everyone can win on any certain day in the NFL. I mean, it's just, just the way it is. You know, every team has the top caliber athletes, and it's about putting it together. And here we go. The Lions are, are living up to their expectations, starting the season 1-0 and and against the uh, defending world champs, Man. which is uh, pretty special. What a start for the Lions. Did you watch the uh, Netflix series Quarterbacks? I've, I'm, I'm one, uh, one episode in. I need to watch two more episodes. Good series. Yeah. It, it gives you an insight to, to Pat Mahomes. Makes me like him a bit more. Yeah. Um, also makes me like Kirk Cousins a bit more. Yeah. And uh, Mariota. So no, it's good when you can watch these series and, and watch these journeys and then put yourself in this position right here. Great job by the Detroit Lions there. Uh, last one before we get out of here. Um, I'm going to exclude a rookie as well because I think that would be an easy pick. Uh, Jason is out of this, this question. Which rookie do you think will have the biggest impact on this team? I'm going to go, you just talked about him, actually. Uh, Cam Young, I think, has the most, this is a, a tough, because we haven't seen him play yet. But right. I think Cam Young, as far as, because uh, the defensive line is the thinnest position, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And so I think he, if he comes back and, and gets the opportunity, I think he can have a huge impact on this team because, one, his specialty is stopping the run. At Mississippi State, that's what he did. He stopped the run. He plugged holes and he stopped the run. And if he can come in and bring that same talent uh, to Seattle, you know, and the subbing for, uh, you know, Jaron Reed when he's, when he needs something and, um, 
you know, Draymond Jones, wherever they put him, uh, I think Cam Young could really make a big impact on this team because of where the team's weakness has been and, and, and what his specialty is. I agree. Cam Young, because he's, uh, he's a big body. We haven't seen him yet, though. That's the, that's the hard yet. part of saying that is we just, you know, he's been injured all yeah. preseason. So, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I could go, I mean, Derek Hall is obvious. I right. think he's going to be very special. Yep. He's, he's shown some, he's made some plays in the preseason and, um, another guy we haven't seen yet is Kenny McIntosh. What do you expect from him? Anything? Yeah, uh, I expect him to be uh, fast as lightning. Yeah. <laughs> you watch, uh, man, why am I blanking on the movie? Grease Lightning. That's the name of that movie. <laughs> Come on. I don't even know. Grease Lightning. Grease Lightning. Anyway. Grease Lightning. Grease. Thank you. Oh, Grease. Okay. You did. I don't thank know where the lightning the came from. You don't know the song? See, I'm older than you. Maybe you didn't, you didn't watch Grease growing up like <laughs> I, I did. Grease. All right, man. Enough Grease talk. We're going to talk that talk when we get back. We're going to pick a couple uh, categories and, and debates, and he's going to say he's right, I'm going to say I'm right, and we might let you guys decide, man. We'll talk Geno Smith, maybe Bobby Wagner, and also NFC Championship. That's coming up next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live every Thursday right here presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. I'm Michael Bumpus with my guy Brian Walters. B. Walt. All right. I struggle with his name from time to time. I don't understand why, but I just do. There's some phrases that get me. Your name is one of them. Yeah, silent R. There's an R in there, I guess, that you oh, pronounce. No. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know. You got it right. You got I it right did. this time. I, I so got that's, that's huge progress. I got to emphasize certain <laughs> syllables. Okay. <laughs> hey, but it's time to talk that talk, man. Um, I'm going to throw a statement out there, and B. Wall's going to tell me if he agrees or disagrees. He's going to tell me why, and then I will answer the question. Then he will ask the next question, and then I will tell you whether he's wrong or right. And we'll just go back and forth, man. It's a fun segment we have here. So let's get this thing started. The first one, here's my question to you, or statement. You let me know if it's true or not. Geno Smith will have a better season this year than last year. Oof, it's a good one. I, you know, I'm going to go with this, and, and I'm going to explain why. I'm going to say no. But I'm going to say no because I don't think he will be relied upon as much. I think mm -hmm. there will be a better running game this year. Mm -hmm. So I think that will take some yards off of him. Uh, and I think... Uh, the defense will be better, which will help him. So that goes against my point. So I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> I, I just think Gino was top five and top ten in almost every major quarterback category. Pro bowler. To expect him to be better than that is really tough. I mean, then we're talking MVP race. And so I don't think I think his numbers will be very good, but I don't think they will be as good as this year. So very good means that, um, well, as good as last year, he threw for over 4,000 yards, 20 touchdowns with 11 interceptions, I want to touchdowns. say. 30 touchdowns. What I say? 20. Said 20? My bad. <laughs> Short him 10. Never want to do that. Uh, I'm going to say he is going to have a better season. But this is what better means to me. 70% completion rate. That's a better season. I don't think a Seattle quarterback has ever done that. I think Russell Wilson has come close a couple times and towards the end of the season, uh, it kind of falls off. But I think that will be a better season because that means that there are a few more first downs, a few more third down conversions, and you keep drives going. So I think Geno Smith will have a better season in that sense if we're breaking down the completion 
percentage. What you got, B? What was Gino? Gino was 68. Six, like 68.9 or, 60, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he was yeah. close too. Was okay, close. all right. 69.76. Oh, man. man, he's there. I like it. I like it. Okay, all right. Here we go, Bump. Uh, Bobby Wagner will once again lead the team in tackles and not miss a snap. All right, so Jordan Brooks can play this weekend. Is he expected to play? I think he will get some snaps this weekend. But I think that they're going to look at Jordan and say, look, this ACL tear recovery has been remarkable. We haven't seen anything like this since Adrian Peterson, which is crazy to me. So I think that because they're going to be cautious with Jordan Brooks and because I know that Bobby Wagner is still on top of his game, I'm going to say he will once again lead the team in sacks and not miss a snap. He's on that field no matter the down the distance, the situation, 5-4 is ready to go. See, this is, this is a tough question because there's two parts of it, and I, I agree with one part, but I don't agree with the other. The miss a snap. The miss a snap. I think he will miss a snap. I mean, I think it's football in the last couple of years with Bobby. You know, he's had a little... A couple injuries pop up here and there, so he might miss miss a game, miss a half. I, I don't think he'll have a major injury. Obviously, that's just speculation. But uh, and so I think he'll miss a snap, but I think he'll lead the team in tackles because he'll be there the majority of, this, of the time. See, I know you're new to this. Am I not allowed to do that? I, I know so you're it's new a to no. This. Uh, so no. I mean, the answer is no to the question. Come no, on, you got to get. He will not lead the team in tackles, and he will not play every. There snap. you go. There Say it with your chest. There it is. There it is. He played in 99% of his snaps Which is not last all. year. True. So True. I stand by my answer. Cornell, you see that? So you see I how stand quick he did that? Answer. That's that Cornell, <laughs> Cornellness right there. Oh, all right, here's what I got for you. All right, who will lead the team in sacks? Will it be a Chen and Wosu, Daryl Taylor, Boya Mafe, or somebody not mentioned? Who you got? I'm going to go opposite of Uchenna. Uh, I think Ochenna's going to get a lot of attention on him. And a guy that I loved watching this preseason made an impact in every game that he, or every half he played or whatever, and that's Boye Mafe. I think Boye's going to lead I him. do. He okay. got to the quarterback fast. He's looking strong. He's looking fast. He had a couple batted balls where he just about got to the quarterback, and I think, I think it's going to come around. I think he's going to lead the team in sacks and have a big breakout second year. Okay. I think Chen is going to be like, look, man, what y'all pay me, $56 million? I'm going to take care of you. Had nine and a half sacks last year. His first time being a full-time starter, and he pumped out nine and a half. I'm going to give him 11 and a half to 12 sacks this year, and he is going to lead this team to the promised land when it comes to sacks. The crazy thing about the Seahawks last year, they were like top five or six when it came to sacks. And no one really talks about that, probably because the Philadelphia Eagles had like 70 and everyone else had 50 and 40-something when it comes to sacks. So um, either way it goes, I think that the sack number is going to go up um, as a whole. But I think Uchenna Nwosu is going to be the guy to kind of lead the charge there. All right. What you got? What you got? All right. Here we go. Let's see what we got, Bump. Anything less than NFC Championship will be disappointing for the Hawks. I don't agree with that. I think that in the NFC, who are your top dogs? Niners. You got Philly. You got Niners. I think they are the favorites to get there. I think that the Seahawks are maybe a big play or a big move away from being legit contenders in the conference. I think they will contend for the division. I think they'll contend in the, for the conference, but I need to see a few things before I really buy into it. I need to see them look good against the run. I need to see um, your quarterback once again 
knock on wood, stay healthy for the full season. I need to see this offensive line protect Geno. He was one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league. Russell led the league. Geno was top five for sure. So there are a few things that I want to see that I think I'm going to see. Uh, but before I get about three or four weeks in, I need to see it for three or four weeks before I can commit and say, all right. Now, once I do see this team and, and I can pick out the flaws and their strengths and their weaknesses, I will be able to commit to them having those type of goals. But right now I'm saying get into the playoffs and win a game. Because last year you got into the playoffs. We go up to uh, down to San Fran. We don't win a game. I'm thinking baby steps first. As much as I would like to disagree with you, I have to agree. Right. I, I think uh, I, I, I would love to sit here and argue that because I want them to win the NFC Championship. But it's not a disappointment if they don't. No. Right? I mean, this team is so young. So I think getting that playoff experience again and getting the wins in the play, the one, one win is so big for a young team. You can taste it, right? Back in, you know, I always bring this up, but 2012, you know, we had the big win down in Washington. Uh, we, you know, we beat the, we beat the, at the time, Redskins, and, and then we went and played the Falcons. But just getting that, that win, I mean, we came back the next season hungry, right? Because mm-hmm. we wanted that again, mm-hmm. and we ended up winning the Super Bowl. So it's the same kind of thing with this team. You got to get that win in the playoffs before you can start talking NFC Championship versus Super Bowl. All right. Here's the last one. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy is a franchise quarterback. You've seen him for nine games, man. Is that enough? <laughs> what do you think? I'm going to go ahead and say no on this one. Uh, they like him. The Niners like him. Everyone down there likes him. He, he's performed. He's done well. Um, and they got rid of Trey Lance, their number three overall pick uh, from a couple years back. So, I, again, I'm arguing against my point, but I just don't see it. I don't see it <laughs> because it's the Niners. The quarterback is not the most important position for the 49ers. You know, I think without McCaffrey or without a Debo Samuel, um, you know, Brock Purdy struggles a little bit. Right. And so, therefore, I don't think he's a franchise guy. I think we have to define what a franchise quarterback is. You play like five seasons, six seasons, you're a franchise quarterback. Like what defines a franchise quarterback? I'll give it seven to eight seasons yeah. and you're a franchise quarterback because – QBs come in waves, right? We're seeing, like, the guys we grew up watching leave. Rivers is gone. Aaron is on his way out. Drew Brees is gone. Peyton Manning. Like, there's waves. There's about five quarterbacks for about 10 years that kind of hold it down. And because I don't see Brock Purdy holding it down for 10 years, for a point that you make, Kyle Shanahan's done a great job of making the quarterback not the focal point of the offense. Just run the offense. You'll be fine. In a Chiefs offense, if they don't have Pat Mahomes, they're not the Chiefs. Yeah. In a Bills offense, if they don't have Josh Allen, they're not the Bills. So I'm with you. I don't think Brock Purdy is a franchise quarterback, but he'll be a quarterback that is there for a few years, definitely. All right. One more segment. We got the final crowd standing here. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us on a Thursday. When we return, we'll give you our final thoughts. That is next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. You are listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Go to sleep. Kids, you got school tomorrow. Go to sleep. B-Wall, you ain't got no kids. I got kids. If y'all listening right now, Michael, Kobe, Jada, go to sleep. Got school tomorrow. All the kids are gone out of the crowd, so I think we're good to go. I can't believe how fast summer goes. Kids are already back in school, huh? 
Because you ain't got kids. That's why you say that. I got kids. It was a long summer, B. (laughs) (laughs) It was a long summer. (laughs) Activities for days. I just took y'all to the park. What you want me to do? Goodness gracious. Oh, man. All right, hold on. That's why your golf game is so good because, you know, you go out and play. I had a nice golf summer. It was good. Yeah? A little Ireland trip. Colorado. Played a lot of golf. It was fun. You're right. With kids, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that. I went to the I went to Bandon, so I, I guess I got away a little bit. You, you did well in that tournament too, right? Yeah, we uh it was a Pac twelve tournament. Rest in peace, Pac twelve. Oh god. Uh we finished fourth. Okay. And we had we were second for a long time. And then um the last two holes I double bogeyed eighteen. It was I don't want to talk about it, B. So um <laughs> <laughs> Keys to victory, final thoughts. How are we going to get this done this year? You always want to start fast, right? You want to start fast. You want to start strong. You know that the Rams are coming into town. They are a good team. How do we ensure a victory for our guys on Sunday? What do they got to do? Yeah, it starts, Pete will always say, uh, you know, win the division. That's the number one goal. So it starts here with the Rams. Uh, two things come to mind when it comes to beating the Rams. And, and when it's a team like Los Angeles, who comes in, expectations aren't high. You can't let that get to you. You can't, you can't look ahead to the next week. You can't, uh, you know, take them for granted like you're going to win. I mean, we just saw the Lions beat the Chiefs tonight. So anything can happen. So you can't shoot yourself in the foot, right? No big mistakes. You can't, don't give them that extra, uh, you know, the free touchdown or right. the fumble or a, don't give them that big special teams play. You got to be just sound. You know, if you play your game, you don't need to do anything special. You know, you don't need the 90 yard uh, plays. You don't need the big Hail Mary. You don't need that stuff. You just need to play your sound game and not give them extra opportunities. Because mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, if, if, if the game's all, you know, going all equal and the Seahawks have nine possessions and the Rams have nine possessions and there's no turnovers, I mean, I'm betting on the Seahawks all day long, right? But when you throw a couple big turnovers in, uh, that are big game changers and flips the field and gives the Rams three points or seven points, um, then that's when you start the upset start to come in, and that, that's, that's it. So the key is just, just play your game. Don't, no big mistakes, no turnovers and special teams. Yeah, I think they have to come out the same way they did against the, uh, the Broncos last year. Yeah. There was a chip on their shoulder, and they were hungry. Gino wants to prove everybody wrong. He didn't write them back, all that stuff. <laughs> I need Gino to have a Gino moment. Now, a Gino moment to me doesn't necessarily mean it's a game-winning drive or there's a fourth and seven that he picks up. I, a, a Gino moment to me is him stepping up in the pocket, going through his process, one to two to three. It's not there. Him sliding and making the right play where to the – the average fan, it just looks like an average play. But you guys really understand the process of being a quarterback and looking down the field and going to the guy that's open. That's a Geno type of play because that's the type of quarterback that Pete Carroll has always wanted, and I think that he has it. Again, no diss to Russ. He put up a lot of numbers, but he also held the ball for a long time and forced things down the field. I think with Geno, he is a process-driven type of guy. And if he can stick to the process – throughout the game, even with the mistakes that are going to be made because mistakes happen, um, I think that's going to be the key right there. And then the, the defense. I mean, don't, don't let Cam Akers look like a pro bowler. I mean, wrap them up, take them to the ground. We haven't seen the 11 guys that they want on the field on the field at one time. We still won't see because Jamal's not going to be out there. But you do have Julian Love, who I feel like can fill that void. So um, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, I, w- I want to go back to that Geno point. Um, with Geno stepping up, the one thing about last year is I think we were third in sacks, 
last year in the NFL with 46. So that's not good. So a big thing that I want to see improved on, and it starts here against the Rams, against Aaron Donald, which is a tough task in, in itself. Uh, don't take, you can't take that big sack, right? That puts you out, of, that puts you into third and long, right? You always want to be in third and manageable. And if they can keep doing that and be in third and five, third and four, third and three, uh, you'll see them move, move the ball and, and, and make big plays. But if you take that big sack and let Aaron Donald get to you, then you're going to be in trouble playing from behind all I game. like that. I think uh, defensively, there needs to be a third and short moment. Because you know what that does, right? So the offense, it gets them going. The crowd gets going. And now you have momentum on your side. Um, and those, those moments are crucial because Matthew Stafford is going to move the football. You, you'd be crazy to think he's going to go uh, three and out every single time you touch the ball and not move it. He's a professional quarterback, one of the best in the league right now. So I want the defense to have that moment, not only for the crowd, but for them. So they know, okay, we can do this. We can, we can stuff the run on third and one. We can handle and when they pack it all in and it's big on big and it's getting real physical because the game is a fin- more of a finesse game now in the NFL. Yeah. But every now and then you get in those short yardage situations, you got to get behind those pads and uh, just deliver a hit. And there's, there's nothing better than that third down and short defenses on the field. The crowd's going nuts. Yeah. They're at Lumen Field. I mean, it is, it is the best best stadium to, to play in in the NFL. And when you get this crowd involved early, it's a tough game for the away the away team. Yeah, I used to go in the locker room bump at halftime. My ears would be ringing. <laughs> Did you ever have that happen? No. Uh, so no I, we, we weren't as good as y'all. They weren't yelling that loud. <laughs> uh, I, I used to playing. get into halftime. I couldn't hear the coach because the ears were ringing. The fans were so loud. And I'm not, I, I'm not even exaggerating. Like they were, they were ringing. I couldn't hear, and it was crazy because it was how loud it was back then. So I want to get the, got to get the crowd into this early. Yep. Some big plays early, big stops, uh, maybe a big turnover right off the bat, intercepting. Uh, uh, Matthew Stafford or big fumble or big sack, something, something that gets the crowd, the energy going in that state, and then it'll be a long day for the Rams. Another thing that gets the crowd going, a big return. Last year, Igwe Buke had a couple big returns on that kick return team. DJ Dallas, I believe, is going to be the punt returner, probably be the kick returner too. If you can ship the field that way, because now there's a new rule, right? You fair catch it, you get the ball at the 25. I want to see how many teams utilize that. I want to see how many teams bring the return game back into play. We were coming up, man, there was returners for days, man. Devin Hester, Dante Hall, Patterson, who's still playing now, was a, a really good returner. You really don't see that many kick returns, explosive kick returns anymore. I'd love to see that. Yeah, me too. You know, they moved the, the kickoffs up five yards I believe a few years back and ever since you almost expect a touchback you're almost shocked if yeah. they're taking it out you know it mm-hmm. must be a mishit by a kicker and the kickers are so good these days their legs are so strong they're just booting in the back of the end zone and you know it's just a it's just a race first one to the goal line you know to get on the the film for your coach you know get that bonus point in the uh in the post uh in the practice uh film watching so uh, I would love to see a big return. More, impo- more so on punt. I think punt right. is a good way to get that big, the first first down for the offense is what we always used to say. Uh, you know, if you could, returner can get 10 yards, that's, that's a first down that the offense doesn't have to get. Um, and it also just sparks that momentum. The defense made a big stop, big return, get it down, put the offense where they don't have to drive as far. So, uh, and that's something that lacked last year. I, I think we averaged about six yards of return, one of the bottom in the NFL as far as punt returns. Uh, so that, that would be a big emphasis this year, especially going into week one. Those are our keys to victory. These are the most loyal fans 
in all <laughs> of Seattle. We appreciate you guys hanging Love out with it. us today. Special thanks to Jake Bobo and Zach Charbonnet for joining the show. Our board operator is Brady Rovick. On-site engineer is Brennan Rogers. I work with her husband every single day. Production and production assistant is Brother John C. Sanders. And our executive producer is NASA Chobie. The Seahawks pregame show is live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bombas, with Brian Walters. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.